On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we dive into one of my favorite brands, Taft Clothing. They got some mean boots. You want to check them out. But we have Alex, who is the media buyer there, as well as Ali, who handles all the client communication. And we kind of dive into what creatives work best for them, the importance of social proof, how they build the LTV within their community, and how they just absolutely kill it in the wild times, such as COVID. These are big spenders. They kill it on creative. They kill it on every piece of the business, basically. So, I mean, if you're looking for a textbook case study to kind of dive into, this podcast is for you. Make sure to tune in. You do not want to miss this one. Was um, So, yeah, I'm a huge believer in social proof. I always have been for kind of normal ads, uh, standard ads. We'll use post IDs, right? Um, and go to past purchasers. But uh, for dynamic creative, you know, you can't social proof them in that kind of traditional way. Um, but what we found is if you can get a dynamic creative that will, that it, the performance justifies keeping it live for a couple months, you can actually see the performance really start to skyrocket because then you get the kind of double whammy of the AI mixing and matching the, the right combination to the right person. Plus these combos are social proofed. Um, so like we've, we had this one ad, uh, um, we launched it in last uh, September of 2019 when we took over. listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, we are back in business with another awesome episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast. Today, we have actually one of my favorite brands. I think I bought a pair of these boots like shoot two years ago. So I was hyped up to get them on the podcast. And I want to say I came across them when somebody posted their creative in a random group. And I'm like, yo, I love this stuff. Does anybody know who's in charge of this or who's you know doing the ads? And all of a sudden, one of these individuals comes along like, hey, I'm actually one of the media buyers here. You know, and we kind of got connected. So, you know, it's one of my favorite brands. They do. They're killing on the branding side, the direct response side, LTV. They focus on so many areas to where I think it's going to be a super valuable kind of podcast just to kind of open up some insights and maybe get some ideas for your business. So... Well, I can continue to hype everybody up. You know, I love doing this kind of stuff. You know, we got Ali and Alex. We have Ali from Impact and then Alex from 1111 Digital. They work together on Taft Clothing. It's one of Impact, Impact's clients, more or less, but they kind of tag team together. Alex focuses more on the implementation side and a little bit of the strategy. And then Ali is kind of more, you know, dealing with the client directly, forecasting, getting everything kind of built out so they can kind of hit it out of the park there. But without you know further hyped up, Ali, Alex, what's up, y'all? Hey, so how you doing? Good to be here. Thanks Good. for having us. Not a problem. I'm I'm personally pumped. I probably said it a hundred <laughs> times to y'all. But go ahead and give everybody a little context of kind of who y'all are, what y'all are kind of getting into, just so people have an idea. Alex, you go first. Okay, so my name is Alex Afterman. Um, I have a small agency called 1111 Digital, um, but I do a lot of kind of co-vendor work and freelance work for other agencies in, like such as Impact. Um, so I uh, focus primarily on like the ads, ad account structure and strategy and um, kind of aligning, but like uh, assigning budgets and kind of retargeting windows and all the kind of nitty gritty like 
<clears throat> sort of boring ads manager stuff that I actually really love. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of my piece of it. And for me, um, I focus much more heavily on the client relationships, uh, the ad creative. Um, my husband is actually on our team. He's on the other side of this wall here, and he's our designer. Um, so. I love it. Um, I really love how I kind of get to jump back and forth from being a creative person. I used to be a copywriter. Um, and then I jumped into the Facebook ads world and I used to own a business and a small boutique agency before um, selling to Impact. So it's just been a really wonderful evolution to sort of be able to keep my hand on all the creative side, but still get to do strategy and forecasting and planning with a lot of my clients. So and for me, yeah. like to be able to put the headphones on and just focus on ads manager, like I love that stuff. So <laughs> works out great. <laughs> oh, I totally get that. I, I like being in the back room, just optimizing and scaling. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. exactly. And how, how long have you been working with Taftigan? We've been with them for just over a year. Heck yeah, yeah. And I mean, I get hit by all y'all's ads, and I mean, the creative is killer, the copy is killer. So I mean, y'all are doing it right over there. Thank you. Thank you. Who writes the copy out of curiosity? Is that you, Ellie, or is that you, Alex? Uh, I do the copy. Um, mm -hmm. I work with the brand manager over there, so she has some overall uh, core messaging. But honestly, probably my favorite way to write copy is I dive into the brand. Whenever it's time, I just kind of block everything out, and I go and I scroll through all of the comments on Instagram. I like to see what emojis they're using, what people are saying. Sometimes, honestly, the best copy I write are comments that people have made about how much they love the shoes. And so I'm ripping it from the headlines and putting it in there. And I can tell, like, it, what's really nice after working with the brand for a year is I can tell when I see comments there, I'm like, that one is going to be my next headline. That one's awesome. So, Man, and I, I know y'all's ads have a ton of comments. So that's got to be a task going through all those. <laughs> yeah it's good man that's pretty awesome heck yeah y'all so you know we love to kind of dive into the rich ad the poor ad some financial principles but let's go ahead and kind of take it away for this rich ad segment for kind of what's working good for y'all right now so what is y'all's kind of rich ad here sure um we yeah so we have this this uh format that we call the trio or the quad um one time, so a lot of times when our clients will do product launches, uh, so Taft, when they were doing some product launches, they kept doing galleries um, when they were launching because they'll have different colors of the same shoe. And so they would post it up and we'd go into Amplify it and Alex would be like, I can't do it. It's a gallery. I can't Amplify it. And so one day I was looking at it. I was like, you know, it would be awesome. This looks really cool. It would be awesome if we could create an ad that looks like a gallery, but that is just a single image. And so I grabbed my husband. I'm like, could you do this for me? And he was like, yeah, that's easy. And so the trio, as we call it, was born. Um, and we've done a variety of variations off of it now. So it's something so... Um, Think about whenever you see a gallery and you've got like one tall uh, image and then two smaller ones stacked next to it and it's making up your one by one. Um, sometimes we do it with a, a quad where you've got like three. We've tested out where we make one a color block and it's got text in it. But what works so well with it is that it just looks really organic and not like an ad. It still is the beautiful imagery that Taft art directs and develops themselves, but it feels more like a real organic post as opposed to an ad. 
Oh so. yeah, and I mean, I think I, I I know exactly kind of that template y'all are kind of talking about. So it's it shows kind of you know the product being used, the actionable, you know, taking a step down a sidewalk, then the up close personal kind of style of the product, and then kind of more of a maybe USP to where it's stepping into a puddle or something. So I mean, exactly the factors y'all have in there, you're hitting it all in the perfect spots in a single image to where. I can imagine your husband, oh, it's pretty easy to make. When in reality, it's like, man, when you think about it, it's, it's a cool concept. But is how long have you been doing that for? We started that, I would say, probably, what, about six months ago, Alex? Yeah, I think so. We we tried. I mean, it. you know, the origin was like literally the one ad where we're like, can we recreate that? But as an ad, because, you know, as an organic gallery, you can't just boost it. And it did so well. Like, ooh, let's try that again. And then it kept, yep. you know, every time we've done it, it's done great. We're like, oh, we should keep going back to that. <laughs> and it's so interesting because uh, my husband, he he tries to push it because he's, you know, a real designer. And so he's like, oh, let me get fancy. I'm going to try to like do a slow-mo here. And he puts video <laughs> in it sometimes or he'll make text come in. And honestly, sometimes just the flat image does the best because it looks so organic probably i'd say when the text overlays work on that is when it's a big sale time and they actually want to promote something otherwise honestly keeping it simple maybe it's got a little bit of the video but otherwise that's been the best thing and what i love too is that it's that image so we're not just testing as a single image alex will take that and put it in dynamic creative he'll run it as the um the image on a collection and so we try it a bunch of different ways too oh, i exactly. love that how much uh free reign do y'all have over there of course they have you know how they position themselves as a brand but i mean how much do you have to follow those kind of brand guidelines out of curiosity for the most part i know where i can push it with them and where not um but they pretty much how we'll do it is um they give us all the different assets when they're ready to launch something. Um, I'll go in and I'm a pack rat. So I hoard everything and I keep it. I'm like, that's great. But can I go back and use this one that we used over here? Um, copy wise, for the most part, I know exactly what I'm pushing their comfort level. And she's like, mm -mm, I don't like that. And so I'm like, well, we'll push each other back and forth. Sometimes, sometimes I'll win and sometimes she'll win. But for the most part, um, you know, honestly, I try to make sure that my tone follows what I'm seeing on Instagram and on Facebook for them, because I never want the ads to sound like I'm a media buyer coming in, writing something that is totally out of touch with what's in the feed. Oh, that makes complete sense. Um, now, with y'all's actual posts, you know, or ads, more or less, you, uh, I always see it's a ton of social proof. Do y'all just use the same existing post ID across multiple audiences? Is that kind of your go-to strategy there? Thing was, um, so yeah, I'm a huge believer in social proof. I always have been for kind of normal ads, uh, standard ads. We'll use post IDs, right, um, and go to past purchasers. But uh, for dynamic creative, you know, you can't social proof them in that kind of traditional way. Um, but what we found is if you can get a dynamic creative that will, that it, the performance justifies keeping it live for a couple months, you can actually see the performance really start to skyrocket because then you get the kind of double whammy of the AI mixing and matching the, the right combination to the right person. Plus these combos are social proofed. Um, so like we've, we had this one ad, uh, um, we launched it in last uh, September of 2019 when we took over. And it, it like, you know, the first couple of months it did okay, you know, just well enough basically to leave on. 
And then it just started taking off and it ran month after month. It did so well for us. Um, we ultimately had to turn it off, I think, over the summer because <clears throat> there was some information in it that was, you know, no longer like old styles. And, you know, there were reasons other than performance that it needed to come off. But um, it just, you know, it did great up until the day we turned it off for month after month, that one ad, um, you know, we run a lot of different ads, so I can't say like the one ad held the whole account up, but, um, mm -hmm. but it just did, it was like a linchpin ad that did great month after month. Which actually, and to come back full circle to the rich ad. So we had it off for a couple months and then all of a sudden we were like, you know what? Dynamic Creative is doing really well again. Let's get this bad boy relaunched. So I went in and I changed the copy language that needed to be changed so it was more appropriate now. And then we decided to put a couple trios into that. And mm -hmm. so now like instantly within, yeah. you know, days of you launching it, it became one of the top performing campaigns again. Exactly, exactly. Wow. And it, and it's like on an upward trajectory because again, like the longer it goes, the more social proof it builds. So yeah. Yep. Now, since we're on the topic of social proof, I'm kind of curious here. I used to do this back in the day, but I haven't done it much anymore, is taking those post IDs, you know, in the conversion campaign and, you know, run them in an engagement to kind of build the social proof. Is that something y'all do at all? Or do most of the kind of social proof come from conversions? Yeah, no, we, we definitely still social proof as engagement campaigns to past purchasers. Um, it's also like a nice little backdoor way to get a few extra conversions from your past purchasers. Like, you know, we don't do a, we don't, we run some to past purchasers. I think it's nice for brand equity, but you know, a lot of those people are going to convert via email and other channels. So it's not a huge part of our strategy, but you know, it is a huge part of our strategy in getting the social proof. And hey, we'll take the sales that it generates, also. You know. Oh yeah, especially running running into warmer or you know people who've already purchased because I would imagine you're going to have a ton of people. Now I, I love doing this where it's like, oh hey, you got mine last week. I love it so far. I've had these for six months. I love these to where. If you can hit that kind of, you know, previous purchase audience first and then take it to the cold audiences, those are mm -hmm. going to be the first comments they see. So I think that's a huge little value perk there. Yeah, exactly. And a, and a lot of times you're running those, Alex, as part of the creative testing where we've got the warm audiences that were running creative tests to first before they actually make it into the funnel. And because a lot of times I like to give Alex a, a wide variety of ads to choose from, test, and then just kill the losers and keep recreating new ones so exactly and we will creative test everything to cold and warm traffic because you know you just um <clears throat> i've been humbled enough by thinking oh this is definitely like an ad for for warm traffic and then it's like that it actually did better to cold traffic <laughs> that i just we just test, test everything to both unless it's like explicitly for one or the other you know if the if the if the copy is like hey thanks for visiting we're not going to try that to cold traffic but uh but right. otherwise everything gets tested to both with yep. your testing strategy, are you, do you kind of, when's your kill limit? Is it based off spend, CPA, maybe duration of how active the, the ad's been? What's your, how do y'all kind of kill what's just not working there? So, so generally speaking, um, it's, you know, that roughly that eight to 10,000 impression range. So I want to get an ad, each ad, at least that many impressions. Um, there's, you know, you got to use a little context. Um, so if we are in a, in a period where like, everything's doing great, then um, I'll ask a little more of these ads. So the ones that are going to quote unquote, win the testing, I, you know, I'm going to want a higher ROAS than perhaps in more like lower times, like, you know, we're in the run up to Black Friday right now. So um, there's not a ton of buy activity, right? This is really where people are, you're building those warm audiences for Black Friday. And so like, um, my, my testing threshold is a little bit lower to get like a quote unquote winning ad. 
Um, but yeah, eight, eight to 10,000 impression per ad. Um, and then in dynamic creative, it's a little bit trickier. Um, yeah. because you know, all those different variations, um, I will generally give it two to three days. And if it's showing promise, then, you know, with a dynamic creative, you have a couple of different approaches. If it's doing great as a dynamic creative, then we're going to run it as a dynamic creative. And we've seen a lot of success lately doing that. Um, dynamic creative, I think is kind of having a moment on Facebook. Um, but if it's as a, as a full dynamic creative ad, it's doing okay, but certain variations are doing great then we'll kind of make a Frankenstein ad out of the winning variations and, and roll that out to the, to the funnel. Yeah. Cause I, f I feel like I used to be able to take some of the post IDs from dynamic creative, but one of the newer updates, I can't even get that post wow. ID now. So like, yeah, they're making tricky. I mean, I, I love dynamic creative too, but yeah. <laughs> Facebook's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You can't do that anymore, which is a bummer. You used to be able to take the post ID from, I think like the top 10 um, variations of it based on engagement. You can sometimes hunt those out still in page posts, but it's kind of like um, looking for a needle in a haystack and yeah. you know, oftentimes not worth it. <laughs> you don't realize yeah. how many variations until you kind of go into that page post. Like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You go page after page, like it's the same ad. <laughs> oh, well, that's quite a rich ad, a badass template. I mean, it works. I've been seeing those for a while. So heck yeah. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's Ad Card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an advertiser spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on ads, and you're in e-commerce, and you're looking for more capital or credit to scale, then you're probably familiar with solutions like Shopify Capital, Brex, and ClearBank. The problem with these solutions is the cost of capital is expensive, and they take a percentage of your revenue. One of the beauties, with AdCard, when you combine it with one of our in-network, of our 5,000 in-network agency partners, you have the opportunity to qualify for free ad capital funding where we'll load up your ad card with an additional $50,000 all the way up to a million dollars of additional capital to deploy on platforms like Facebook, Google, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and more. So if that's you, if you're in e-commerce spending a ton on ads and you're looking for a way to decrease the cost of, of capital, check out AdCard. We'll get back to the show. Now, when it comes to the poor ad, aka something y'all thought would kill it, maybe it flopped, maybe it was kind of embarrassing, what y'all's kind of poor ad, you know, in the Taft world? I'll take this one here. Um, <laughs> So we had just joined on with them last middle of September, really kind of crazy time for a big brand to come in. Who's looking to do big things for black Friday, cyber Monday. Um, and it was one of our black Friday, cyber Monday ads. We had a wide variety of ideas from more traditional of, you know, boots hanging by the fireplace to, um, you know, boots under the Christmas tree to then, um, trying to be a little bit cheeky and out there. Uh, one of their flagship boots is called the Dragon and it's waterproof. It's amazing. They had their 2.0. Uh, they do have a new one coming out very soon. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we really wanted to try to feature and highlight that, you know, they can withstand anything. So we had this idea of, you know, well, what if we have the boots stomping in a pie and then hose them off and it'd be great. And so they executed it in a similar way where it was someone walking down the street, they were throwing pies at it, washed it off. It was hilarious. Like we loved it. We thought this was like going to be amazing. So we ran it. Um, we had it in multiple formats, four by five, one by one stories. Um, luckily I like to over 
prepare. So I had, I think, over 20 ads, like ready, prepared. Alex launched a handful of them. Um, within the first hour of launching, they got like 30 comments of people saying like, there are people starving out there. How could you be so wasteful? Um, so we went back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately they asked us to kill the ad. You know, I kind of tried to argue a little bit of, well, maybe we can just get past this. It's just a couple of people kind of piling on top of each other because we could see it actually was producing, like it produced um, quite a good amount of revenue right in the first hour. But when it comes down to it, Taft has a very strong ethos and that's just not what they wanted to be tied to for people thinking of them ethically, morally. So, you know, even though we talked about, do you do make a big play of donating food to a shelter or anything like that? Like, you know, it's just not worth it. You know, let's, that's not who we are. We tried it, kill it. And so we turned it off and we still had a fantastic Black Friday, Cyber Monday, just the ads that were the top performers weren't the one that we thought it was going to be. Yeah, so. we were like the whole lead up. We were like, oh, man, that ad is just going to kill it. I can't wait to see that one. If I, if I remember right, we actually had them do the the shoot for it. Right. And they're like, this is what yeah. we want. Oh, yeah. and, um, we yeah. gave them all the art direction. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And it would have done great, it, but we didn't anticipate the whole negative backlash. <laughs> No, we really didn't. We were just trying to be like bold, something that they hadn't done because they do really cool videos and they're so wonderful. Their whole art department, when we come to them with an idea, um, you know, they have, they at this point drive a lot of their own art direction ideas. Lindsay is their um, brand manager and she's fantastic with that. But um, at that time she wasn't there. And so we were trying to help give them a lot of art direction on it and it just didn't work. So, but we laugh about it now. Yeah, I yes. even just talked <laughs> with the uh, the president yesterday about it. He brought it up. He's like, no pies this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The takeaway is food is a stay away for the boots ads. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's funny. So that was just too much of a rapid negative engagement, I guess. That just kind of was like, hey, this is affecting the brands. Who, ne- who cares how much it's making us? People are just getting a little, you know, angry about it. Just kind of exactly. Point. Which is which is a yep. good reminder also for you know for any client. Like you, you know, for us, we tend to really focus on like what's going to make the most money. Where's the ROAS? Um, but you got to understand that the clients have a you know, it's their brand. They need to be protective of it. They have an ethos. And, um, yep. you know, sometimes there's priorities other than just this one had the highest ROAS, <laughs> you know, so yeah. you got to be aware of those things. It, I mean, it's a very good point, Alex. Yep. Oh, yeah, because I mean, we may be making the ads been shown, but I mean, we're not, you know, the ones who come up with everything. So it's, that's super interesting there. It kind of sucks too, especially when you go through all that ways to just create a killer video and you think you're going to kill it. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't work that way, you know, yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of brands who come on and they're like, yeah, we spent, you know, 20K on this commercial. We tested it with a UGC. You know, we went to a festival, free video versus 20K video. Which one won? The free video. And I was like, uh. Totally. (laughs) People shooting on an iPhone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes the crappy creative actually kind of converts. But I mean, you got to test. And that's why, you know, we're talking so much about testing. Yeah. Well, the other thing, the reason that the crappy creative converts a lot is the same reason I think the trio works is that it doesn't look like an ad. It looks like it looks organic, right? The the less it looks like an ad, the better it tends to do. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, that's where you see the the founder is really great. I know you love a lot of the videos that he does, like that stuff that he's just like, I'm with my grandpa. I'm going to do some grandpa Holt (laughs) videos and they're so cool. 
and I see them, I'm like, give them to me. I want to turn this into an ad and you know, that or will amplify it. But like, those are the ones that are just lightning in a bottle that are so awesome because they don't feel so staged. Oh yeah. And I mean, sometimes you mess. I don't know if Alex, you've ever done this, but I actually forgot to put copy and a headline and an ad one time. (laughs) Turns out it was one of our best performers. The creative was so good. It just (laughs) kind of did itself. And I'm like, okay, that. We'll keep that going. That's really that funny. Yeah. I, so I haven't done the forgot copy, but I've done the like, um, didn't realize, like um, put an image in that was the wrong size and Facebook gave it a super weird prop where like mm-hmm. the product was barely in the shot at all. And it's like, oh, I actually do okay. Huh. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, y'all, the final segment, we'd love to take a page out of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, try and find some crossroads between marketing and the financial side of things. So what kind of financial principles could y'all kind of share that could be of value to the audience? You know, could be cash flow related, spend, you know, where all kind of want to take this? Uh, okay, so, well, so one, uh, so this year, especially with COVID, um, we've kind of uh, gotten into a pattern where our uh, our campaigns are very much uh, centered around new releases. So there's regular new new drops, and we are you know we found that we were spending um, like a, a you know most of the budget on these uh, new product launches, um, which led to a very kind of a boom bust kind of situation where like the product launch comes, it does great. There's a huge peak, it does awesome, but then like you're running these product launch ads and the product you know hasn't launched anymore and then you then it dips and we try to like backfill with some evergreen but then all of a sudden here comes another product launch so um you know it actually worked out okay because the peaks were very high but but we did end up in this very much peak and valley kind of situation this year whereas last year pre-covid we did a lot of evergreen and brand ads and it was much more of a kind of steady like good and steady and we didn't have these um, massive peaks and valleys. We had like, you know, you'd get like when a new when a new shoe dropped or a new boot dropped, you get a little bump out of it, right? But because the majority of the campaigns were these evergreen brand focused things, it was much more of a kind of smooth ride. And so um, a couple months ago, we kind of looked at that and said, huh, you know, we're we're in this kind of boom bust cycle, and we've got you know the holidays coming up and Black Friday, where we're going to want to have all these audiences that are like coming for the brand more than maybe for like one specific boot they liked. And so we kind of went back into this more um, evergreen strategy, where we're supplementing our evergreen and brand focused ads with um, with new launches versus making almost all of the campaigns about these new launches. Right. Yeah, this was some really good strategy. Alex had done some deep dives into all the analytics and one day we were just talking about it and he brought it up of like, you know, thinking ahead for Q3, Q4, we're partially through Q3. He was like, you know, we really need to think about this. Um, There was some interesting data too that he was finding those dynamic creative that we had talked about that originally started uh, last year focused a lot on brand awareness uh kind of messaging handmade in spain hand painted you know like all about the quality like the custom taff sole and why it was so unique and and different um and it was really interesting to sort of see that by diving into analytics we could see that 
those still were performing that messaging was performing better than like, Ooh, shiny new boot. Like here, here's this new boot. So we've really been pushing them organically to focus more of their posts on evergreen content. So it, their grid doesn't just look like all product launches all the time. Um, even especially with COVID, uh, going back and, and doing memes. They do a great job with their memes. We actually take their memes and turn them into ads a lot of times totally. because they're so good. Um, and so like we asked them to get those back into the mix so we could amplify those again for them. Um, and so we've definitely seen that starting to happen um, where we're pulling our language back to be more evergreen about the quality of it. They launched a brand new website and they're talking about, you know, making bold statements and all the handcrafted quality again. So I feel like, you know, this year has been a unique year and every business had to do what they needed to do to make sure they're, you know, comfortable with cash flow. But I feel like once we got to a certain point and realized that it's not about surviving, now it's about thriving again and, and making those moves to be ready for Q4, that you know we, we pivoted at the right point with that so we could start building back up again. Exactly. <sighs> exactly. How, how far out do you plan for the product launches or even these Q4 sales? Is it, you know, you plan out three months, you know, a month? How do you all kind of position yourselves in those scenarios to be proactive? Yeah. So I meet weekly with the client um, and we basically have hotlines. We say only our husbands are the only people we text with more. <laughs> um, so I, I have a great relationship with them. Um, and we typically will be projecting out at least a month and a half just for product launches. It always ships customs, everything else. And then we tweak and we pull something else forward. Um, but for right now, for Q4, you know, we started planning um, July 31st with them of like, okay, I know you're not ready to really talk about this, but here's a checklist. Here's all the things like site speed checker, all the things that we need to be doing to be ready for Q4. And then plotting out like, we know without a doubt that we will have all ads finalized so that Alex can start staging as of um, middle of November, I think by the 15th or 16th. And that way it's just done and we can pull the levers as we need to once it's time to launch. Yeah, that's really great because, for example, it was last year, I think. It was either last year or the year before that, um, you know, because Ali gets me all these ads early. We had everything lined up and done before the the, like before the weekend, before Bell Heck Friday. And then, you know, you'd see on Facebook, everybody complaining like, oh, ads manager is down or, oh, like every, this thing's been in review for, you know, 82 hours. What am I going to do? And we're just like, yeah, all our stuff is done. It's just waiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that last year when actually ads manager went down for like yeah. three days or something. Yeah. 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 People. Two years yeah. in a row. It was crazy for them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I, I oh, you know, not everybody can be on that on top of it. And so, like, I've, I've been there going like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Ads mentors down. I, I'm only halfway through my ads, but never <laughs> with these guys, which is awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this, make sure to pre-plan for that stuff because election year, it's probably going to get a little bit more messy. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, this has been awesome, y'all. I mean, I've I've enjoyed this thoroughly. So, I mean, give everybody an idea. Like, what's next in y'all's world? Any cool projects coming up? How can they get in touch with you? How can they support you? Would love to kind of, you know, give y'all some opportunities there. Uh, go ahead. 
<laughs> no, I mean, for us, we're, we're super busy right now. We're very, um, you know, we were mentioning before, we're very selective about who we work with. And so we're not taking on anybody new right now in the new year. Um, once we get through Q4, we'll, we're definitely interested in it. We love e-commerce. That's our absolute favorite, um, where we focus most on. Um, that's really it. Like we've, we're we're just excited to keep going. I, yeah. I love what I do, and I love working with Alex on it. Totally. Uh, give the folks your email address in case they want to reach you. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> uh, my email is uh, a parmelee. It's a p a r m e l e e at impactbnd.com. Uh, and my email is alex a l e x at one 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 digital.com. Um, so like Ali said, we're, we're pretty much closed up for the year to try to get through Q4 and deliver for the best for our clients, but always happy to like answer questions. If anybody has any follow-up from what we talked about. So feel free to reach out. Yeah. Alex and I love to do audits. Yes. Take a quick look under the hood. Yes, we do. <laughs> audits make the world go round. They do. Know. They do indeed. <laughs> well, thank y'all so much for jumping on. This has been an absolute pleasure. But once again, thanks, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you thank very you much. Thank you so much, Dylan. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoorad.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, zach at funnel-dash.com, show me you left a review, and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoorad.com. To leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.